defense doesn't just win championships. Sometimes it wins fantasy leagues. And their defensive line, especially the interior, is getting better. Digzua, Watkins, they can rotate guys in. So he isn't really a tackle-heavy guy at this point, but he's a top 15 linebacker to do those big plays over the past four weeks. This is the IDP Heat Seekers. Welcome back, everybody. It is Monday night on the first day of May, 2023. I am Craig Reith, and my voice has been failing me all day, so we're going to probably have Austin talking a whole lot, which is better for you guys anyway. Um, but we are the IDP Heat Seekers, brought to you by RotoHeat.com again, and Austin is with me as always. Austin, how's the first day of May going for you? It's not too bad. Uh, I didn't even realize it was the first day of May until you said that. I mean, I did. But I didn't really think about it. Um, so far, so good. It's just a Monday, typical Monday. Um, did have some stuff going on with my dog earlier. With my pet had to take him to the vet. That was no fun. Um, but other it? than that, yeah, yeah, she she's had two. Uh, yeah, she she's had two uh, strokes. I think in the past Thanks. like week. Yeah, dude. So it's just been kind of rough. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> it's a good one though <laughs> yeah it, it was a good one unintentionally um but yeah so it's been kind of rough for her and um just kind of hoping she'll get healthy again here soon she's kind of old no well, hopefully things turn around for her and she keeps chugging along for you yep and uh, how about for you yeah it's, so far? it's been wild uh the draft week is one of those where it's, it's highs and lows because you're trying to process everything and get some content out and form your own thoughts while you're reacting to everything that happened. So pretty exhausted even yet today after work was pretty calm today, thankfully, and I was able to get all that done without too many distractions. But trying to figure all this out, it, it takes a few days. It takes a few weeks to get everything as far as what's in your mind set for you. But I do want to share with everyone we do have over at rotoheat.com you can see uh, we do have updated rankings for idp and of course all of our rookie rankings are updated over there and there'll be new rankings coming up throughout the next month or so but i uh, did want to show you guys there we do have you know a whole bunch of guys ranked here for idp players and there's a whole big list of them. You can see there's a whole bunch of different guys that we have thoughts on that we have ranked here as you get towards the bottom. But you can check those out at rotoheat.com. And then we have the results of our uh, fantasy, not really fantasy, NFL draft, though, predictions from the prior week here. So if you tuned to the show last week, thank you. And you can see what we had put in for our answers and what the results were down here. And Austin ended up beating me by a score of nine to seven. So well done, Austin. Uh, some of these Didn't neither of us got right. Yeah. But uh, some of them we did. Some of them we split. It was a fun little exercise. Um, I completely messed up. It's nine to eight. But either way, um, I put oh. my little green color coding on cornerback for more uh -huh. more cornerbacks taking an edge. But it didn't matter. Um, you still yep. won. So uh, you can kind of see the results there. If you want to go back and listen to that show, that would have been. On the 24th of April, we did that for our NFL draft predictions. And you can tell, just like from everyone that does mock drafts, we don't know half of what we think we know. But it's still fun to go through. Oh, man. Yeah, we found out the hard way, I feel like, from from round one to round seven. I was just beside myself, wondering how these people have jobs. 
<laughs> but that's how it goes. But tonight we're going to be getting into sort of our thoughts on the IDP relevant players of the NFL draft in rounds one, certainly, and then getting into uh, day two. So rounds two and three we'll be looking at. And we're just going to sort of go down the line here talking about the IDPs taken. If you are any cornerback aficionados out there, I'm sorry. Um, again, those aren't the most relevant throughout most leagues. So we're not going to be talking about cornerbacks for the most part. If you want our thoughts on a cornerback and landing spot from round one or rounds two and three, please let us know in the chat and we can certainly jump in there and talk about them. But the first one off the bat, um, not too much of a surprise, was Will Anderson Jr., but how he got there was a bit of a surprise. He went pick three to Houston, who made a huge deal trading their own 2024 first along with other stuff to move up to that spot. I think it was from 12 with Arizona, which is a huge jump, and they got picks two and three to CJ Stroud, of course, first, and then Will Anderson. My question for you, Austin, we've sort of beaten the Will Anderson horse to death at this point. Are you comfortable having him be more of a hand-in-the-dirt defensive end if that is sort of what he ends up playing there in Houston because that is sort of the base defense that they have there? You think you're taking him as an edge guy, that's where he would be, but he didn't do a whole lot of that at Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd be fine with it. And and the reason is I think I don't want to put Will Anderson in a box and say, well, this is what he does. And then if he's asked to do anything different, then that's going to change his game. I think the thing that he does best, and we talked about this whenever we covered Will Anderson um, pre-draft was, you know, one of the things I said about him is like, the football IQ, when you watch the film, there's just something about what he does that you can tell that no one else is doing. And it's not a matter of, you know, physical attributes and physicality and uh, speed. It's not, the, it's not all of those things. It's, it's the way he plays the game, the way he approaches the game. You can tell that mentally he's like a step above everyone else everyone else in college football in my opinion it's it's insane and um the numbers showed that over the course of his career especially of course in 2021 um i don't really have any concerns i mean i think he's got the size and the strength and all the you know physical tools to be you know fine with his hand in the dirt or as a linebacker i think he can drop into coverage and do different things that uh, are really rare skill sets, but I think asking him to be a traditional defensive end, in my opinion, I I don't really have any qualms with it. I, I think he he can be find ways to be just as productive in that position as he would as an outside linebacker. Yeah, and with a uh, smart defensive-minded head coach there, certainly they're going to want to be putting him, and I'm sure they have plans to put him in a position to succeed no matter how they use him. So. Just an interesting thought I had based on sort of a change of how he was used in college. It's certainly interesting, though. It's it's certainly interesting. <clears throat> the next IDP sort of relevant player, of course, the second defensive player was a cornerback, Devon Witherspoon, to the Seattle. But then we got Tyree Wilson. Looks like he's going to be more of an outside linebacker, which he was in college, too. Going to the Las Vegas Raiders, where it seems like he's going to be learning from Chandler Jones to eventually be across from Max Crosby, which is certainly a nice place to be in terms of defense is not focusing on you right off the bat and learning from Chandler Jones is certainly a good thing too, for his development. How do you feel about that landing spot? Not only Chandler Jones, but Max Crosby. I mean, people are going to say they hate this landing spot, but 
Um, I actually really like it for Tyree Wilson. And I like the fact that, um, you know, he is going to have two veterans that he can learn from and, and sort of, you know, start to feel his way through the NFL. Um, you know, I, I think he's NFL ready today. I, do I think he needs time? No, not necessarily, but I think it's, it's always a good thing. Um, and I think that it's interesting because Chandler Jones is kind of like a comp to Tyree Wilson, right? With the size, the length, all of the things that Tyree Wilson brings to the table physically. Um, I think their games are kind of similar and he does fit more of a, probably honestly more of a traditional edge rusher role than a linebacker, despite playing more of an outside linebacker role um, in college, which I think he could get away with. I'm not so sure he could get away with that at the NFL level, but he is an elite pass rusher. And I am really excited still for Tyree Wilson, despite the landing spot, but I really felt like, and you're going to probably hear this, you know, all night on the shows. I really feel like there were a lot of players that I was like really excited about pre-draft. And then when the draft was over, I was like, the NFL just hates fantasy football. And that, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the way it feels like it went offense and defense are they're one in the same in that regard. So um, I don't know. I, I, I think long-term too, I, I'm, I'm still in on Tyree Wilson. I really like what he brings to the table. And he does have that flexibility like Chandler Jones. Uh, you had mentioned where early in Chandler's career, he was a defensive end for the Patriots and, you know, he can sort of play both positions and Wilson can even go down on that line, you know, on the clear pass rushing downs and play off the line with still Crosby and Chandler off the edge. So uh, certainly gives them another pass rushing option that they're going to need in that division. Moving on. So one of the interesting players that we talked about pre-draft, Jalen Carter went to, to what feels to me like the best possible place. There are a lot of people hoping that he went there, mocking that he would go there because of the seemingly now just huge Georgia connection to the Philadelphia Eagles where they have, I think they said five players from the Georgia defense that won the 2021 national championship on their team. Now Um, they just keep drafting them, Um, keep accumulating talent. And I hate it as a Cowboys fan, but it's a really nice defense there. And having Jalen Carter next to a huge defensive tackle like Jordan Davis is only going to help him in that he's not going to be able to just be double teamed. So uh, do you feel as good about that spot as I am? Yes. And, uh, you know, I thought when this draft, you know, when the pick initially came in, I was like, man, I don't know how I feel about this. Fletcher Cox, who's aging, and then Jordan Davis, who's just a physical specimen, like huge dude. Um, And then you got Jalen Carter. It's like, man, that's three guys that could all play in rotation in the middle. There's only two spots. Um, but the cool thing about Jalen Carter is it's a little different from like Jordan Davis and even Fletcher Cox is I think he does have the ability to play inside out a little more than the others, just because of the speed and athleticism that he kind of brings with the length that he's got. Um, so I think that he's just a more versatile piece for these than these two that are, you know, in the same category of like defensive tackle. Um, I'm still pretty excited for Jalen Carter. I think it's a nice addition for the Eagles defense. Um, and he, he, I mean, he should be on the field quite often last year, Jordan Davis really didn't see a whole lot of time though. And I thought for sure that like, he was at least going to kind of split the work maybe with Fletcher Cox. And, uh, that just didn't happen as much. I was kind of disappointed with that. So it's still a situation I think to monitor as talented and as confident as we think we are that Jalen Carter's, you know, the guy it's, I, I don't, I mean, We'll see. 
I mean, he's he is talented. I assume he's going to see the field, but like you say all the time, stranger things have happened. <laughs> so I'm curious, what are your thoughts? Well, Fletcher Cox is uh, 32 most of the season, and he's been in the league for I think it's going to be 11 years. They like to use a rotation there, and I think that's only going to help Jalen Carter at the start of his career. I don't think he's going to come out of the gate going gangbusters. Like some people might think he's going to be part of a rotation. Long-term, having him next to Jordan Davis is two young guys that know how to play next to each other with just a great defense around them. I think it's fantastic. Again, this first year, probably only value in defensive tackle required leagues, and I wouldn't count on Jalen Carter as a starter in those, but it could happen. You know, we saw Javon Hargrave next to Fletcher Cox last year have a career year and get paid huge after it. I think Jalen Carter is a better talent overall than Javon Hargrave. It's just how much of that playing time is he going to get and earn. And, you know, it has to be said, is his head going to be in the game? But going to a team with so many people that are you're familiar with that are going to hold you accountable and keep you on the straight and narrow, I think it just was a perfect spot for him. So long-term wheels up first year, like pretty much all these rookies, you know, temper your expectations. Yeah. And we are going to jump to a question here quick because Jaws is on here and he got a question for us. I wonder if one of Seattle's cornerbacks gets thrown at significantly more. Which one would it be? General rule of thumb is the rookies are probably going to get picked on more often. I mean, we even saw Sauce Gardner get picked on a bit at the start of last year um, until people figured out how terrible of an idea that was. Yeah, they got Treek Woolen, who they got in the fifth round last year in Seattle as one of the starters, and it certainly seems like Devon Witherspoon is going to be the other as far as the outside corners. Start of the year, it's going to be the rookie again. Um, if he turns out to be anything like people expect right out the gate, it's probably going to be more of an even split in terms of what coverage and what receiver is going against them. So mm-hmm. you have to pick your poison at some point if both are great, but I would assume the rookie gets picked on first. What do you think? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. It, it depends on how they line up and, you know, the offense, what, who's covering who. I assume Tariq Woolen, being the more experienced player, will probably – If it, I don't know if they're going to move those. Do you think they move them around on the field? Like, do you think they, they match them up, or do you think they do sort of more what they did with, like, Richard Sherman, where it's like, this is your side of the field, this is my side of the field, and we're not going to move around, we're just going to play our game? I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that? Because that could that could play into this too. I don't know the tendencies of how they deploy their cornerbacks in Seattle mm-hmm. anymore. Um, I'd have to go actually dig into that because it isn't something I study a whole lot, but it is worth looking into when you're mm-hmm. if you're in a cornerback required league and you want to find out, you know, is it possible that someone's just gonna avoid a side of the field? Mm-hmm. Most teams don't do that anymore, where they just have one cornerback on one side of the field and the other. Without knowing, I don't want to speculate too much on that, though. I don't want to give yeah. out wrong info. That might be the answer, though. That might be the answer is to look at some of the data as far as how Seattle is deploying those cornerbacks and maybe seeing what they did specifically with, you know, Tariq Woolen last year and figuring out, you know, did he move around a lot or did he kind of just stay on one side of the field? And I would think that if he if he stayed on one side of the field, they're probably going to do more of the same of that. And then conversely, if he was moving all around and just – chasing the number one receiver wherever they went, then that could be something that they stick with as well. So that that would be an indicator potentially. Um, but these are two very good, very good cornerbacks. And this is quickly becoming a very good secondary once again. Um, I when I, you know, I wrote a, a uh, 
I released an article this week that like the recap and one of the things that I mentioned about this Devon Witherspoon pick was like this really feels like the kind of player that would have fit perfectly in the Legion of Boom, yep. you know, LOB back when it was. Um, so I like the pick for the the Seahawks and I like the player. And uh, if Jaws is going to force us to talk cornerbacks, then so be it. We will do it. <laughs> but I hope that answers your question, Jaws. All right. Going back to the non-cornerback draft order here, we went from nine with Jalen Carter to Philly to 13 uh, with Lucas Van Ness going to Green Bay. Now there's some sort of questions out there already in terms of how he's going to be used. Is he going to be used as a defensive end down the line there? Is he going to revert? playing more of that stand-up edge rusher like Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith and a couple guys that he's been comp to uh, throughout the draft process, especially Rashawn Gary without the, you know, similar athletically and not a ton of college production. So I wasn't a huge fan of this. I was ex- hoping for a better landing spot. I mean, long-term, I think it could be fine being opposite Rashawn Gary, sort of like we talked about with the Raiders. You have two good edge rushers. They can play off of each other, and you can't focus on one as much. So if Lucas Van Ness does turn out to play that role and improve to the point of being a starter in a couple of years when they move on from Preston Smith, it could be great. It just left me wanting more, and I'm not sure how he really fits into that defense at this point because if they put him down on the line and that base 3-4, it's not nearly as exciting for me. It was an interesting pick for where they took him. I would, would have thought that if this was who they really truly wanted, maybe they could have traded down or i don't know but looking at the looking at the current depth chart it, it appears that um he's we got a line up at the left outside linebacker and he's sitting behind preston smith currently i think he could push for that job i think he's talented enough what i don't know yet is is he going to be consistent and reliable enough um he did have limited production you know in, in college and that was one of the things that you know, a lot of people said about Lucas Van Ness was like they were worried about some of the production stuff, but from a physical standpoint, he kind of checks all the boxes. And so we'll see if he's able to push Preston Smith for that job at left outside linebacker. I kind of like the fit probably either side. I mean, it doesn't really matter to me left or right necessarily. Um, but, you know, this is a now a third linebacker that the Green Bay Packers have uh, with Devondre Campbell and uh, Quay Walker, you know, kind of roaming the middle. Um, that's a very good unit um, of three guys. And then, of course, if you got Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith in the mix there too, all of a sudden you've got a pretty decent group of linebackers and, and good depth at that position. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know that that was a, a, a position of need for um, the Packers necessarily. So the pick when it came through and that's who it was, especially where it was, I was a little shocked. Yeah, they even have Kingsley Enigbare, who they drafted, I think, in the fifth round last year, who once Gary got hurt, he actually showed a decent amount of pass rushing prowess too. You know, that was sort of his calling card coming out of college as well. But he held up well when he was out there once he sort of got his feet wet in the game. So they got four sort of edge rushers there that they'll probably use in a rotation somewhat, which mm-hmm. can be annoying for fantasy but uh yeah i definitely think it's gonna still be once Rashawn gary's healthy him and Preston smith to start um but you know if Rashawn gary's not healthy ready to go start of the season maybe van ness gets a shot right away we'll have to see another interesting pick here uh 
with the Jets now at 15. Of course, that's the pick that they swapped with each other in the Aaron Rodgers trade that went down. They took an edge rusher, too, and a guy that we talked about possibly going in the late first round. He went mid-first round, almost exactly mid. Will McDonald, the fourth edge rusher out of Iowa State, going to the New York Jets. A lot of people seem perplexed by this. You know, mm-hmm. it seemed like he went a lot earlier than most people were expecting him to. But he's another guy that just athletically has it, and he's going to be a really nice edge rusher for him, I think, long term. And you think back to last year again, Jets took Jermaine Johnson the second around pick 28 or something like that in the first round. So they're stacking up on these young athletic edge rushers. Of course, they still have Carl Lawson there. They have Bryce Huff, who I believe they signed to like a one or two year deal here. He's another edge guy this offseason. They re-signed. So they're accruing pass rushers as well. How do you feel about this one? It was an interesting pick. Again, this was another one that I thought, this is a little bit of a head-scratcher as far as where he was taken. I thought he was taken a little higher than um, most people anticipated. He was pretty consistent, though, and he did flash some good you know, qualities. He's a little more lean than most pass rushers. He's really fast, decent use of his hands. Like he does some things quite well and he good. He had good production at Ohio, at Iowa state. Sorry. Uh, but and then at the jets, I was just like, I couldn't believe that they took an edge rusher. Um, and one of the yeah. things that's so perplexing about this is you look at what they did last year in the first round and they took Jermaine Johnson and he really didn't do a whole lot last year. I, I mean, I think that was more opportunity than it was talent. Um, so this year is going to tell us a lot, I think, about Jermaine Johnson. And I think the Jets are saying, look, if Jermaine Johnson isn't it, we've got somebody right behind him who may be able to be it. And so it's going to sort itself out with these two, I think, at the you know the left-end position. Um, and there's, there's also Carl Lawson, right, who has yeah. had – uh, the injuries and things like that happening. So maybe there's a possibility McDonald sneaks in there um, and just plays opposite of Jermaine Johnson. And now you've got, these are your two, you know, edge rushers. Um, so it'll be an interesting situation to watch play out this season. And uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm not super high on Will McDonald. I think like I'm in a draft right now and I'm in the third round and I have no thoughts of taking McDonald at all. So yeah, they, they seem to be building on strength there, certainly with the Jets, where you know they already had drafted a pass rusher. They got a couple guys, so they're continuing to build on that instead of really reaching for other positions. Like, you know, you'd think, well, long term they got to figure out quarterback because it seems like they're unsure what they're doing with Aaron Rodgers beyond this year. And is Zach Wilson going to be the guy? I think they're sort of hoping Zach Wilson figures it out behind Aaron Rodgers, although it seems like a dangerous game to play for me. But you got to have pass rushers to survive in the NFL and building on that strength. Uh, a bad idea, but it was, again, like I said, a curious choice of edge rushers there. Absolutely. This next one I'm sure you have some thoughts on, as everyone seems to do, and it was a big surprise in the fantasy community for IDP and then also the NFL draft. Number 18 overall, Detroit takes Jack Campbell, linebacker out of Iowa. Now, they just signed Alex Anzalone to a nice deal. I think it was three years, around $18 million or something like that, and it's pretty easy to get out after two years. They could get out after one if they wanted to. But for year one, Campbell's going to be on the field, I think, at the same time as Anzalone, which is going to hamper both of their potential productions. 
looking beyond this year, I know you're a big Malcolm Rodriguez fan. I'm not saying he couldn't get on the field too, but how are you liking this spot for Jack Campbell long-term in that Lions defense? This is exactly what I thought would happen to Malcolm Rodriguez when I talked about it last year. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge fan of Malcolm Rodriguez. I love the way he approaches the game, but this is precisely what I said could happen is the Lions could be taking a linebacker that is from a size standpoint, he's he's got the advantage. Yep. I think he's got the talent too. I mean, he's going to control the middle of the field. That just is what it is. But what I will say is I actually think that's a good thing for Malcolm Rodriguez. And I'm still in on Malcolm Rodriguez um, being able to push Alex Anzalone for that, the second linebacker job, more of like a, I guess an outside linebacker-ish, like Will, a weak side linebacker. Um, so I actually like this. I mean, I, I love it for Jack Campbell. A lot of people wondered, you know, why did they make that pick? Well, look at who they have. And it's it, it, last year it was Malcolm Rodriguez and Alex Anzalone. Anzalone didn't play well. I didn't anticipate he would. Malcolm Rodriguez played well for what the expectations were. I would say exceptionally well for what the expectations were, considering he was a six-round pick. Um, but they needed a linebacker in the middle of the field. They needed one last year and they needed one again this year and they finally got it. And I think that Jack Campbell is going to be a staple in that defense for, you know, a long time. I, I love the athletic profile. Um, again, you know, one of the things that does concern me is he doesn't really get to the quarterback very much. Um, they don't, you know, he's a, a tackler. He, he gets a ton of tackles. Um, and he does really well in that department, but he didn't really get to the quarterback a whole lot in, in college. I'm not sure how much sack upside he's going to have in the NFL. Um, you know, so we'll see, but I, I do like this. I do like him as being the kind of player that has a, a really good floor because of the, the tackles and his ability to, you know, rack up numbers in that department. So I like it. I don't mind it. I do. I think that they could have done better. I I don't know. I think they could have done better on the Jameer Gibbs pick too, but just neither here nor there. The picks are what they are at this point. And I think they, they addressed at an area of need and I think they did it with a very talented linebacker and I don't mind the pick as much as other people do. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about the landing spots, the linebackers, I, off the top of my head, there wasn't one, at least as an early guys, that are likely have a clear path to playing time. You'd think might have a clear path to playing time, excuse me, ended up with one. It seems like most of them are going to be in a committee early on or a backup, which it's fine. You know, we, we've dealt with it. We said it wasn't a great true linebacker class outside the first couple, and even they didn't land in the best spots. But Campbell really had the best immediate landing spot on the day these guys it feels like which if you would have asked me after the lines made that pick i would have said oh, probably a couple guys are going to land better and might you know move up for immediate production over him but it really doesn't feel like that and we'll get to those guys when we get to them here but it was a block class for linebacker landing spots next guy on our list here right after that at 19 this was a little bit earlier than i thought he would go but I really like the landing spot. Kalijah Kansi, defensive lineman, went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'll tell you why I like this. He got into the sort of position where he's going to be asked to sort of do what Aaron Donald did um, with the Rams, which, again, unfair comparison just because they're about the same size from the same school. 
but they're going to be used in similar ways here. And Kalajikansi being next to Vita Vey, the huge nose tackle for Tampa Bay in the middle, who's going to be eating up those blockers. This is going to let Kansi do what he does best, which is when he's on the field, is use those stunts, use a spin move, you know, power rush to get to the quarterback. He's going to be a pressure defensive tackle and going to a spot where he has that big, again, run blocking nose tackle, block eating nose tackle. I like the spot a lot. It was a lot better than some of the spots that he could have gone to. I don't think there's going to be huge immediate IDP production, but I think it's going to give him that opportunity to get on the field as that pass rusher and get you some production when he's on there. And long-term, Vita Vey locked up. I really like the spot. How do you feel about this one with a, I mean, seemingly rebuilding Tampa team, but also, you know, seemingly still trying to be relevant too with some of the guys they have. Yeah, this, I really like this and it's funny. It was the only, somebody said, so you're one for 31. And I was like, yes. So I actually predicted this Kalijah Kansi in my mock draft to Tampa Bay. It was the only one I got right. So woo me. Um, and a lot of people said, well, why? I don't understand the pick. Vita Vea, Vita Vea. And he's a defensive tackle. And how are you? No, 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 no. Timeout, guys. Kalijah Kansi can play from the inside out just kind of the same way that um, we talked about Jalen Carter being able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, two different players, but that first step for Kansi, I mean, he is explosive off the line. Um, he, he gets in the backfield quick um, and he does bring good power and size with his frame. Like his athleticism is, is superb for, for his size. Um, so I really like this pick. I think that he, he can coexist with Vita Vea. And I think the good thing is he's going to be able to create pressure up front and allow these linebackers that they have to do a little more of what they do best, um, which I think that's really critical for a guy like Devin White, just having somebody who can, you know, whether it's, somebody that can blow up the backfield or somebody that can take on blockers. I, I kind of think that Kalijah Kansi and Vita Vea can do a really good job of doing both of those things. And then that frees up Devin White to be able to use his speed to get to the quarterback and make plays and things like that. And you still have Kansi and Vita Vea who are both, you know, they do a really good job of being able to get off blocks, stretch the line of scrimmage, um, you know, get sideline to sideline as far as, you know, just getting flat down the line. Um, they do a lot of those things really, really well. And I actually, Personally, I really like this pick. I, I like the player um, a lot, and I think there were better better landing spots for him. Sure, I could make the case for that, but I still think that this is a really good one. All right, moving on down the line, and it takes a bit to get to another non-cornerback IDP player taken here because we had Deontay Banks go at 24 to the Giants cornerback. And then all the way down to 26, my Dallas Cowboys, um, but surprisingly to me, took a defensive tackle, Maisie mm-hmm. Smith out of Michigan. And again, he was perceived as a potential late day one guy. Um, I didn't have him going in the first round. I thought that was a little bit early for him. Micah Parsons certainly seems excited about it, having a huge athletic tackle uh, to eat up those blocks and also hopefully create some pressure. Looks like he's probably going to be more the nose tackle out of the two long term, and then Osa Digizua be more pass rushing specialist defensive tackle there long term. So remains to be seen how that plays out. He's got work to do in as far as refining his game. I don't think he's probably going to be IDP relevant, maybe ever in most leagues because he's just not that sort of guy and he hasn't shown to have those pass rushing numbers in college. So it's not just going to immediately happen in the NFL. 
could develop in long term, especially with those guys that he has there around him that he can learn from and play off of. But IDP wise, this wasn't much of a exciting pick for me. How about you? Yeah, I mean for fantasy purposes i mean it's a defensive tackle um and one that doesn't isn't really versatile like you know the last two that we've talked about jalen carter and um kalijah cansey he, he is more of like a he's gonna stay in the middle of the field anchor the middle try to take on two blockers and just be disruptive with his size but he's pretty athletic too he's just very strong i think this was more of a good football pick than it was a fantasy yep. pick and that's and that's basically all i've got for it we could, you know, there's not, like you said, there's not really a whole lot to talk about with Mozzie. That going to lead us into a question we got here from James Evans, confirming he agrees. Yes, real world GMs hate fantasy. And he appreciates us talking about the Raiders pass rush early. But his question is, of all the rookie defensive tackles taken in the first and second round, who do you think will have the most run-stopping tackles? And I'm going to tell you my answer. We haven't gotten them to yet. Um, but it's down there and the second round pick 53 to Chicago. It's Gervin Dexter senior. Now, probably not who most people would be thinking of. He just started playing football, uh, junior year of high school, still learning the position. He is huge. I think he's like six, six, 310 pounds. The bears need defensive line help. They turn around, took another defensive tackle towards the start of the third round. Zach Pickens out of South Carolina. What I like about Gervin Dexter is, despite you know the limit, I think he played three years in college. The last two years, he had 15 and 55 combined tackles, which are nice numbers for a defensive tackle. And he's going to be more out of the two of them. He's going to be the run stopping, the huge guy that's going to eat up blocks and be able to get those runs up the middle. He's going to have to be double teamed to be contained once he starts growing into his own at the NFL level. He has a lot of those nuances to learn. But he's a great character guy. He's grown a lot, and he has the body to do it. So if I have to pick one, and I know it's not the answer most people would give, I'm really excited about him down in Chicago being on the defensive line, and he could get playing time early there. What did you think for James's question? Um, yeah. You know, I don't want to take the easy way out and just say Jalen Carter, you know. Um this is interesting. Um, it's a great question, by the way, um, and I appreciate you you uh, sending that over. So I want to look at one thing real quick. So Brian Brissy is is listed as a starter here for the Saints, um, but I was a little bit lower on him than others. So I think just looking at the list, since there's only a handful that were taken in the first and second, I'm actually going to go with my guy, um, Kalijah Kansi. I, I really do think that he is going to be active enough and athletic enough to be able to create opportunities for himself to be able to rack up tackles in, in that defense and use, you know, Vita Vea is not that player. He's more of the, you know, just clog things up and let go guys go make plays more than he is like run anybody down. Kalijah yeah. Kansi is the kind of guy that he could actually run some people down like tackles for loss, sacks, tackles. He could really at the de defensive tackle quote unquote position, um, I would put my money on him just purely for the athleticism. If I'm not doing it on Jalen Carter, honestly, I'm probably doing it for Kalijah Kansi, and it's just purely for the sake of the athleticism that these guys have, their ability to run um, and do different things very, very well, I think gives them just a better shot to be able to be in on more plays. And so I'll go with Kalijah Kansi. And the 
excuse me, they believed the defensive tackles out of this group because, of course, it does vary a bit depending on where you look. Jalen Carter at 9 to Philadelphia. Then we had Cansey, we talked about 19 to Tampa Bay. Then we got Maisie Smith to Dallas at 26. Brian Brzee at 29 to New Orleans, and that's it for the first round. Going into the second round here, you got a ways to go. Some people have Keon White listed as a defensive tackle at uh, 46 to New England. I don't think he's going to fill that role. I think he's probably going to be more of a defensive end edge player. I was really confused by seeing that, but you never know. Uh, Gervin Dexter that I mentioned, 53 to Chicago. And I believe to be defensive tackle. So, again, there's only like five, maybe six guys there in that list. But it is an interesting group. And uh, hopefully we'll get into the second round here soon. But before we do that, I want to thank everyone for watching us over on YouTube, Facebook, however you're getting a hold of us. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you get all the content with the IDP Heat Seekers and then the Fantasy Buffet later in the week. And you get to see Austin, Brad, Sully, all the guys putting out shorts, letting you know quick hits of guys they're looking for. Interesting facts you might not know, guys to trade away, anything under the sun you can think of. So, again, thank you guys for tuning in, and make sure you're subscribed. Next guy up here on our list, we're getting towards the end. Over the top. Sorry, that my internet cut out. All right, uh, but for the end of the draft here, as far as the first round, Miles Murphy to Cincinnati, defensive end out of Clemson. Went a lot later than some people thought, although sort of mocks the day of had him falling away. Probably not an immediate starter here. He's going to be behind Sam Hubbard and behind Trey Hendrickson to start, but he could certainly have some opportunity to play inside, you know, on pass rushing downs with his size and the ability that he has. So, you mentioned Austin. Not a lot of these were super exciting right off the bat for IDP, but how you feeling about Miles Murphy going to the Cincinnati Bengals and their quest to get to the Super Bowl? I really, really like this kid a lot and was hopeful that he would have gone to a better situation. Probably one of the worst situations I could have asked for, but that's okay. Uh, because in a perfect world, everybody stays healthy all year and Miles Murphy is just purely rotational. The reality of that is that sometimes sometimes things happen and opportunities are presented. And if I was to choose anybody that to bet on to say, you know, Hey, they're not a starter today, but opportunity presents itself. How do you think it turns out? Like miles Murphy is one of those guys that if just give him the opportunity and he's going to make something of it. He's really, truly that talented. He has the size um, I mean, he, he physically he's, he's, he's got everything you'd like. Um, I think he shows a lot of promise as well. And, uh, I am bumping him down slightly in terms of rankings and in terms of, you know, where I would acquire him in a rookie draft, but he's the kind of player that you, when you, you draft him, you might not expect immediate production, but you know, you got a really talented player who you can hang on to and it's probably going to work out for you. So I would say long-term probably better than, you know, first year production. I would be more hopeful for that. Um, but yeah, the landing spot really, it really hurt. 
Moving on, again, we got four of these to end the first round here. The next guy up, we mentioned before, Brian Brzee going to the New Orleans Saints defensive tackle, the high recruit coming out of high school. Good athleticism, just couldn't stay healthy, and then had some other concerns pop up. Saints have been trying to figure out this defensive line for a while. You know, they need help across from Cam Jordan. They tried Marcus Davenport. That didn't work out. He couldn't stay healthy, and he's gone to Minnesota now. Peyton Turner, they took in the first round in 2021, and I think he's played in 13 games and has like two sacks or something like that. That hasn't worked out. Carl mm -hmm. Granderson's the current opposite defensive end, and he's been all right, but, you know, nothing amazing for IDP purposes. And same thing, them trying to figure out the interior there. You know, they had like Shy Tuttle, and he's gone, I think, now to Carolina. They had uh, David Anamata, who I think he's gone to the Falcons. So defensive tackle was a need for them. They had signed a couple guys in free agency. But, again, no big names. If he's healthy, do you think he's going to have one of the starting spots and have a chance for immediate production from the defensive tackle spot? Yes. Short answer. That's where I'm at. I, I just wasn't a big fan of pre-draft process. I wasn't a big fan of Brissy. You know, the athletic profile for his size is – really really good and i mean but the production and the availability and then at times i didn't feel like he really played with as you know as much of a motor as i would like to see um you know on plays that are going away from him i was like oh, come on um sure we'll see what he does with the opportunity because it looks like he's gonna have it um and i could be totally wrong i could be totally wrong on this guy Probably only a defensive tackle play well, even if he does start. You know, most standard leagues play defensive linemen. He's not going to matter for you either way, though. Mm -hmm. um, next guy could, though. Nolan Smith, another Georgia guy we talked about earlier on in the show, going from the Georgia Bulldogs to Philadelphia, going to be another edge rusher there. He can start out behind Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat. Certainly going to be able to get on the field on, for at least, you know, partial role on defense. Long term, I like it a lot. But uh, there isn't really a whole lot more to say about him. Uh, then um, he'll probably go higher in drafts than I'm looking to. Do like the long term spot. But mm. how are you feeling about this? I'm, I'm just I annoyed really, at the Eagles, quite frankly. <laughs> I, as a Cowboys fan, I know. Yeah, <laughs> they did extremely well, and and I like this pick. I it's one of those picks where the upside on it is just tremendous. Seeing where he went, I mean. 30th overall um, when if he would have been healthy and had a full year of, of production at the level that we think that he could, I mean, you're talking about potentially probably arguably top two. I mean, besides Will Anderson, I don't know that there's a player that I think could have a higher ceiling than Nolan Smith. Um, and again, I'm in a, rookie draft right now and full disclosure i drafted nolan smith and i drafted him at 208 so i drafted him in the second and he was the yeah. uh third he was the third defensive end taken will anderson went late in the first um tyree wilson went uh 205 and then uh, a few picks later i actually got nolan smith so Pretty happy with the pick. Uh, I'd like the landing spot a whole, whole lot. And so uh, I'm excited for, for what he'll do. I hope that he can stay healthy. I think that's the real big kicker there. Yeah, with his size, you got to hope that he's able to hold up 
at the NFL level because the guy with his already like high ability stopping the run, the intelligence that he has, and that pass rushing potential, especially on that defense where clearly, you know, they had all sorts of guys getting sacks and some of their old veterans getting career highs. He's going to be part of a rotation. He's not going to be gangbusters right away, I don't think. But he's going to be able to have an impact in long term. I agree. His ceiling's really high if he's able to stay on the field. Rounding out the first round, pick 31 overall because the Dolphins forfeited a pick. We have your Kansas City Chiefs taking Felix and Udike Uzoma defensive end out of Kansas State. We talked about in our draft prediction show and a couple of the other shows when we were going over the edge players that the Chiefs did have an opportunity to add an edge here, and they did so in the first round. So how are you feeling about a Kansas State guy staying with Kansas City? I think I've said it enough, hopefully, and I hope you don't think I'm just saying this just because he went to Kansas City. Pre-draft process when I'm going through rookies and I'm just identifying and I'm just going through film one by one and I'm just identifying which ones jump off the screen and which ones do I like. Drew Sanders was like my number one. And for whatever reason, Felix Amadike Uzoma was like one of those edge rushers that I was like, this kid's really showing me something. Like I really liked him. I just liked the way he played. So I don't know. I mean, I would have, I think if you asked me, I would probably say I prefer Miles Murphy, but he wasn't there. Obviously he wasn't available. Um, and then, you know, we'll talk about some of the other ones in the second round and I don't know, maybe I would have preferred some of them too, but uh, I thought this was a really good pick. Um, it did address an area of need. I think that um, the chiefs needed somebody opposite of Carl Loftus and, you know, it looks like they have that right now. Uh, Charles Omenihu is listed as a starter opposite of him, but I think that Anadike Ozama could really push for that job. We'll see uh, how camp goes in the off season and everything that goes on leading up to the season, how he holds up. I think he does still need some polish. I, I don't think that he's a complete player yet. I don't think that, um, you know, I think that he'll need a little bit of coaching and a little bit of time to get to where the Chiefs are hoping that he will be. But I do like the player. I like the team, obviously. And I like the pick. I'm good with it. All right. Well, that takes us into the second round here of the NFL draft. And we had to wait a bit to get into some defensive players. The first one that was not a quarterback, because, of course, Joey Porter Jr. went first, pick 32 to the Steelers, was Derek Hall, defensive end slash linebacker, edge rusher certainly for the Seattle Seahawks out of Auburn. They are stacking up on some of these guys. They drafted Boy Mafe at second or third round last year, I think, out of Minnesota. So it's another edge rusher. We talked about it on our edge show. Uh, Derek Hall certainly has just crazy level of pursuit and aggression and just get after it, a high motor. And he's going to have to rein some of that in, going to have to improve a little bit on some of the tackling stuff, but certainly is a nice guy to throw in there on a rebuilding pass rush for Seattle. And with those cornerbacks here that we think are going to be good, it's going to give them some more time with that pass rushing group to get to the quarterback. So how did you feel about him being the next edge guy taken off the board here and going to Seattle? Um, well, I mean, I don't, I don't hate it. Um, it's fine. I, I, there are a couple of players a little further down. We'll talk about that. I think I might like 
a little more. And um, one of the things about Derek Hall is that, again, this is kind of like Felix Santa DK is on. I think he's going to need a little bit of polish and, and some time. Um, the Seattle Seahawks last year, they drafted a guy that I really liked too. It was Boye Mafe. And one thing that Boye Mafe did really well was that he was an excellent pass rusher with like exceptional physical tools. And I kind of think the same about Derek Hall. I'm looking at this and I'm like, I don't know, man. He's just going to need some polish, but his athleticism is like crazy. And I feel like the Seahawks, this is two years in a row now that they've gone after a player that show that freakish athletic ability, but maybe lack some of the polish to be like a complete every down player and not be more of like a specialist player. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, both he, uh, Moffe and Hall, I don't think are going to be pushing the starting this year even. You know, they have Darrell Taylor who did all right, and they have Uchenna Nwosa who they had signed to a decent-sized deal as sort of their starters there. Mm-hmm. So both are going to be pass rushing, you know, options. They're going to be in a rotation, which I think is certainly fine for both of them. But long-term, uh, if they pan out, they certainly could be turning that corner and improving that pass rush as their defensive line. They got a little bit of help. They went and got John Reed, who had been with the Chiefs after going from Seattle to there, and then Green Bay, he had a stop there, and then Draymond Jones, the big contract that they signed. And a guy that we won't be going into tonight, but uh, I'm just talking about just another monster of a guy, size-wise anyway. Mike Morris went later in the draft from Michigan. His potential long-term piece there. If nothing else, he should be able to eat up blockers too. So we got an edge rush run here. Next up is Isaiah Foskey going to the aforementioned New Orleans Saints. We talked about Brian Brzee there. Foskey goes 40th overall to the Saints. And I kind of already went down this path, but they've been trying to find someone across from Cam Jordan. And at this point, probably a Cam Jordan replacement for several years here. Cam Jordan's going to be like 34 this year or something like that. Um, so for the NFL, that's getting to be ancient, but he's still productive. Great player to learn from. I sort of like the spot. Really don't know that he's going to end up starting either, because um, they just haven't great haven't had great luck getting that second defensive end spot filled out. But do you think he could be the long term answer there, defensive end for him? No, I I mean it just he's got excellent lower body strength, but his upper body strength for me is a little bit like lacking and concerning. That's just my opinion on what I saw. But it does feel like the Saints have been grasping for someone opposite of, of Cameron Jordan for a long time. And, um, you know, maybe he's it. I don't know. But at this stage, he's not. I mean, we'll see if he can win the starting job. If he wins the starting job, I think he'll be on the right track at least. Um, but I, I'm not really certain. I mean, he's six foot. He's 262. I mean, I don't know. I don't really. I I, know, I wasn't really super high on on Foskey as a as a pure edge rusher. Maybe he could play more of a of an outside linebacker role for them, but doesn't excite me a whole lot. Well, I bet this next one does excite you more, and we're gonna go to this next one right in a row, and then we're gonna jump around the list, but. B.J. Ojolari, I was incorrect. He went earlier than his brother Aziz did two years earlier. Aziz went around, I think it was pick 50 to the Giants. B.J. There's some buck of them trying Zayvon Collins as a pass rusher. You can see that. 
but certainly B.J. Ojolari has, you know, that just elite level of bend, athleticism, and just flexibility to get around the edge. I think he could really be going into a spot where he could have immediate production for a team because they just need edge rushing. Cardinals, sorry if you're a Cardinals fan, but I think they admitted that when they were trading back, getting these extra picks and sort of retooling their team overall. Will it be for a Kyler Murray replacement? In next year's draft, there's a lot that remains to be seen if Kyler Murray even comes back healthy. But I know you liked Ojolari. How did you like the landing spot with Arizona? I really liked it, and here's why. is The Arizona Cardinals were thought to be one of the teams that was going to draft Will Anderson, and then they ended up being a team that I believe they, they're the ones that traded out um, with the Texans, right? Yep. Yeah, they they From traded out of their spot with, yeah, yeah. So they traded out of Will the Will Anderson spot, acquired some picks along the way, and then here they are in the second round, and they go, oh yeah, by the way, we are going to get an edge rusher, and it's B.J. Ojolari, and I really like that pick. So I thought they did a really good job there. The value for the, where they got him was good. Um, the return that they got out of trading out of that number three spot, I thought was really good. Um, the Cardinals did a really good job with this pick for a team that looks like it's probably not going to finish very high, you know, this year they need as much help as they can get. I thought they did really well on the trade in the first round. And then I thought they did well with this pick here. All right. We are moving on to finally a safety here. The first safety taken at pick 45, which it was, Later than people thought, Brian Branch going to the Detroit Lions. Be interesting to see how he ends up playing with the pieces that they have there. It would seem like Tracy Walker's entrenched as one safety. Kirby Joseph, maybe the other. Maybe Chauncey Gardner Johnson is a safety, although he's played cornerback as well. Good thing about Brian Branch is he can do all that stuff too. He can play slot corner for you. He can play either safety spot. He's extremely smart, very versatile, sort of did it all there at Alabama. Long-term, I love the spot with a defense that they're building and that offense they already have this year. Kind of got some questions about how he's going to be used. You know, Is he going to be more of a sub-guy with the pieces they already have? Is he going to be starting over Kirby Joseph? A lot of it remains to be seen, but I think by the end of the season, he's probably going to have a good shot to be in the starting lineup and make an impact for maybe closer to the playoffs that they're hopefully going to get to. And long-term, I love the spot. I love the player, and I think it's a great spot. How about you? I would agree with everything that you just said, and and he's just too good of a player to leave off the field. Tracy Walker last year was dealing with some injuries. Yep. Um, I think he's a better player personally than Kirby Joseph. So I think one way or the other, he's going to find a way onto the field, and then I think once he's there, he's going to have a hard time taking him off. All right. Our next guy I mentioned a bit earlier, Keon White out of Georgia Tech, defensive end, extremely athletic. And I know we keep saying that, but even for the NFL level, like Keon White's athleticism was was off the charts. Big guy, still learning the position, had been a tight end in college. I hate one of these guys that I like go to the Patriots because for the most part, they get stuck in these rotations and they just aren't completely fantasy relevant to the point that they could be. Probably better for real life NFL, you know, to have those guys fresh and on the field more. I was disappointed in the landing spot. How about you? Yeah, kind of the same. I mean, he does what he does is so different than what Dietrich Weiss does, I feel like. And so 
it'll be interesting to see what the Patriots do there. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't love the landing spot. I think he probably, at least in this first year, he's doing more watching than playing. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it's a Bill Belichick defense. And to your point, it's a little bit hard to predict. I thought the, you know, their first round pick Christian Gonzalez. I really love that by the way. I know yep. we're not talking corners, but oh my goodness, I love that pick and I like the player and I, you know, it's a little bit more predictable. The secondary feels like in those Bill Belichick defenses, but what they do at linebacker and up front, sometimes it is a little frustrating and can be confusing. And so we'll see what that means for Keon White after year one. We only really have a couple of guys left here in the second round. And that's probably all we'll get through this week. We'll jump into the third round next week is there's probably not as many day three guys of the draft that are as relevant or important to go over anyway. You know, we know as they get farther down in the rounds, the likelihood of making the team diminishes and any sort of instant impact. We have another defensive back here, Jartavis Martin out of Illinois. He played all over. Um, certainly they need help. It is the Washington commanders who he went to with pick 47 at cornerback. But safety, it feels like they kind of were set last year with Derek Forrest and Cameron Curl. Uh, they did play a lot of three safeties, so he could still see the field quite a bit. He could be used as a nickel cornerback. I was just a bit confused by it. What did you think about what they were doing here by taking a safety? I think they did need a lot of help, and he is listed as a nickel right now. Emmanuel Forbes uh, was the other cornerback that they took in the first round. I think he, both, yep. you know, he could really help out this defense, especially in terms of coverage. We'll see how he can hold up with his frame and, and tackles. He plays with no fear, but unfortunately, uh, you could get away with things like that a little more in college than you can in the pros. Yep. Um, so, I, I mean, I think as a third option, it's it's intriguing. We'll see. We'll see what the commanders do. But you know, to your point, they just needed a lot of help in the secondary, and they needed to address that. And I think they did that with both of these picks. Um, and we'll see, we'll see what it means. I don't know that it, it has any fantasy relevance. I think, you know, probably just more of a real football impact than anything. Gervin Dexter, I had mentioned earlier, kind of give my thoughts on him, but he is a defensive tackle. So we probably don't need to talk too much about him. And I know you want to get to this next guy, pick 54 to the chargers, Tuli Tuapalatu to the Los Angeles chargers from USC. Um, certainly a couple guys you can learn from there. Enjoy Bosa and Khalil Mack. How are you feeling about the fit with him on that Chargers defense going forward? Man, once again, the NFL just hates fantasy football. <laughs> this was a guy that I really, really liked, like a lot, who could have been in the right landing spot, could have been a sleeper, could have been probably a starter day one. Um, I really think he has that kind of upside. Um, I don't know, Khalil Mack, it's Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. I mean, but I think both have had their injuries, right? Khalil yes, Mack that's the and other. Joey Bosa. So that's really the key is like, are these guys, if these guys are healthy, like great. The problem is they haven't been healthy. So for Tui, Tuli Tula Pelotu, um, that's a mouthful. Um, I, I, he's got a real shot to, to, to get an opportunity not just by way of injury, but I think just in general, I, I don't want to see what he does with the opportunity. I'm intrigued by him as a player. I always have been. I wish it would have been a different spot. Of course, same could be said about a lot of these players. 
it was a very frustrating draft, but I still really like this player. I'm still very intrigued by him and he's somebody I'll be keeping an eye on. I will tell you that for sure. Yeah. Long-term I like the spot and he's the guy they could even shift down to, I forget who we talked about it earlier. You could put him on the line sort of at the defensive end and that base three, four and those pass rushing downs where he's going to have a chance just to get after the quarterback like he did at USC. And you have him out there with Bosa and Mack at the same time, and it could really create problems because he does have the size to play inside sometimes just, you know, not full time. Um, so I, I do like the spot there for a potential impact early on, but you're probably going to be waiting a little bit before he's a starter unless there's injury. Since this is an IDP show, just to, uh, Sort of close it out here. There were some cornerbacks, like I said, the most drafted position for IDP players and in the draft period was cornerbacks this year. Uh, for the second round, we had Joy Porter Jr. at 32 to Pittsburgh, we mentioned. And we had Julius Brents, and that is a cornerback out of Kansas State to Indianapolis at 44. We had, uh, we talked about him, Cam Smith out of South Carolina, 51 to Miami. And Tyreek Stevenson, 56, out of Miami, Florida, to the Chicago Bears. And DJ Turner II from Michigan, a very speedy guy with an interesting landing spot in Cincinnati there. Mm -hmm. So I want to give some love to the cornerbacks because I am in leagues where you're required to play cornerbacks, and it's fun, but it's still we, we, we know our audience, and most of you aren't playing cornerbacks out there. And even the ones that you are, you're not going to be drafting a cornerback early, hoping hoping that's not a word craig hoping for a sauce gardener year because we know those are the outlier as opposed to the rule so yeah they are the outlier i mean like you mentioned they're gonna try to pick on rookies and if i'll just throw two out there that i feel like deserve the honorable mention you kind of named them off but joey porter jr is like if you do play in a cornerback league that requires you to play a cornerback and you're looking to, you know, you're probably not going to draft a rookie, but if you pick him up on waivers, it's probably the best way I would recommend. Have him on your lineup, stash him, and see what he can do, because I really think he is exceptionally talented um, and could really pay dividends, especially if he's targeted a lot. Um, and then I think the second one, looking through here, was, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I, I just really like Christian Gonzalez, kid from Oregon that landed in uh, New England. That is going to do it for our show tonight. Again, it was sort of the first and second round of the NFL draft. The most likely IDP relevant guys as far as positions that we went through. We'll be doing the same thing next week, finishing up round three that we really didn't get into, but then sort of handpicking some guys that we like out of four, five, six, and seven because it gets a lot harder to sort those guys out. But Austin, anything else you want to leave the folks watching with us tonight? We've had a great group of people watching and some nice questions tonight. Yeah, we did. And hey, Jaws, again, thanks for stopping in. You stop in all the time. We recognize that. We appreciate you for being a longtime viewer, listener, and um, you know, just participating in the chats. James Evans, new face. Good to see you. Thank you for your question. And uh, you know, everybody who asked questions tonight, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, for those of you who didn't ask questions but just enjoyed the show, or for those of you who will enjoy the show later after this is over. Um, thank you guys again for following Roto Heat. We appreciate your support and follow us on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to our channel, of course. You can follow us on Twitter. We have our at Roto Heat Craig, at Roto Heat Austin. You can see our Twitter handles below. 
Um, other than that, be sure you guys are following along on rotoheat.com for rankings, articles, shorts, all the fun stuff. And uh, you guys have a great week. Yep, that'll do it for us. We will be back next week, same bat time, same bat channel. But until then, have a great week, everybody. The IDP Heat Seekers is a proud member of the Roto Heat family of podcasts. Find more content on Dynasty, Redraft, Devi, and more at rotoheat.com.